This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall chosen by champions. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. It is the Rumor F1 Show, part of the Rumor Podcast Network. I am Kevin Clark, joined on a beautiful, it's an off week now, Nate Saunders from ESPN. Hello, how are you, buddy? Hey, man, I'm good. Yeah, an off week. Um, we don't get many of them, actually, so I, I, I have to, I have to um, make the most of it, I guess. Um, but yeah, beautiful day here in Montreal. This schedule this year is really backloaded. It's going to be a grind. Yeah. Yeah, well, we realized, I'll tell you what, we realized after Miami that there's no more, that after that, there were no more standalone single races. It was all back-to-backs or triple headers, which is kind of crazy. And obviously, the World Cup's made it a bit a bit different this year. They've had to kind of almost lost a few weeks. Um, mm. But yeah, they, it, they do kind of, you do start running out of weeks a little bit when um, when you have that many races. And the talk of 24 next year, a lot of people wondering how they're going to order that out. I mean, they will have a, maybe a month or two more to play with just because they you know, won't have the World Cup to finish for. But yeah, we're, um, we're getting to the point of the year where there's almost as many uh, F1 races as there are <laughs> as there are months in the year, uh, uh, time in the year. So it, it's, we, crazy. it's really crazy. It's really crazy. Yeah. Um, okay. It's nuts. So you're, you're still in Montreal. Where does Montreal yep. rank? Well, North American listeners, where is Montreal on the pecking order of, of great F1 cities? Like, what's the one where everybody, everybody who travels, whether they're in the paddock, whether they're, 
a driver, man, I guess drivers have different experiences than the media and maybe the guys who work for the teams and the, and the gals who work for the teams. Um, but what's, what, what are the, the number one, two, three cities that, that people even like going to? It's a great question. Um, I'll, I'll give you my ones cause I, I don't want to speak for everyone else, but, um, I love, I actually love Montreal. I think it's a fantastic city and the vibe here this week's been amazing. There was that, you know, um, in, in the city, there was a huge fan zone. I think people just love coming here. You know, it's one of those places people do really, when you, when you talk to people in preseason, there are races where you're like, oh, I'm going to Montreal. Mexico City yeah. is always one. People, like Mexico City people oh. say, I want to go, um, which is just, I mean, the race is great, but the, the city of Mexico itself is, of Mexico City itself is just unbelievable. So um, that's one of my favorites. In Europe, Budapest is always up there. People love that place. Oh, I've never been. Um, I've never been to Budapest at honestly, all. Honestly, Budapest is awesome. Um, it's a great place to to go. Just, you know, if you're into, if you're into going to bars, if you're into going to see historical places if you're yeah. into spas they've got all these roman spas there they're amazing um and uh yeah so that's always that's always a favorite but i think montreal's in that in that kind of handful of, of in the mix. Of city city things yeah that people want to go to and obviously austin has always it has always kind of established itself you, you you said before we went live the capital of f1 in america i agree with that um but i love austin and um yeah the north american cities to be honest with you they're, they're setting quite a high a high bar i think for everyone else because i love going to all these races both for the venues, but also for the places they're actually hosted in. So yeah, Montreal was so good to have it back. You could tell how, how much this place had missed it. There was kind of checkered flags everywhere in town. I think they do that to just denote that the, the F1's back. And um, yeah. yeah, and so much, so many people in F1 merchandise downtown, it was you more or less every other person was wearing some kind of kit. And I haven't seen a city like that for a while. So yeah, that was, that was really interesting to see. I quickly want to go negative. If you pulled the paddock on a city that should come off the calendar, a city, not oh. a track, a city, a city. What do you think it would be? That's, wow. That's, I tell you, I tell you what, which one would, and it's going to shock people because I'm going to say Barcelona. And the reason is because oh. it's not actually, it's not actually in Barcelona, that circuit. It's a long way. It's a long way North. You're really out in, out in the sticks. And a lot of people who actually park up there and work there, or whatever, have yeah. cars broken into things stolen from the media center. Oh. So that one often, if it was closer to Barcelona, I think people would like it a lot more, but it's kind of, removed a little bit from there. Um, off the top of my head, I'd say, I'd say probably that one. Now Sochi used to be the easy go-to there, <laughs> but we've lost yeah. that now. So, so if anyone <laughs> made that, that complicated for me. So when I say, when I say Barcelona, I more mean um, like Grenoyers yeah. is the, is the place that yeah, the circuit yeah. to Catalonia is in. Um, I'd probably say that one. Um, but there's a few others that, that maybe that, that, that would be the one I would get rid of. And I would just spend a weekend instead in Barcelona. Rather than, right. <laughs> rather than don't even race everybody yeah. just goes to barcelona yeah. and just exactly drinks a bit. exactly um, um but yeah i would say that one but it's it's a really difficult sell that one isn't it man i mean saying yeah barcelona is the worst on the on the calendar people are listening yeah. to this thinking this guy's an idiot who's this who's this guy that well no got on? they're thinking about that for other reasons um so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get into uh the the 2023 Kind of the what everything looks like that next year. That's that's mm. going to be the hook for this episode. Then we're going to get into some um, discussions of what we learned the last couple of races. Um, obviously, you've been in the paddock. You kind of know the vibes of the teams. Um, I'm curious. Does the silly season start earlier now? Like, so just so everybody knows, like this is the time of year. Pierre Gasly had his option picked up. There's there's going to be more movement on the on driver contracts the next couple of weeks. Obviously, we know the big ones. Carlos Sainz is resigned. Um, Checo Perez is resigned right before Monaco, as we know. Um, does it start earlier now? Is it always start the same? Is it chaos in the paddock this time of year, Nate? Well, it's it's actually quite interesting this year. I've noticed that. 
in previous seasons, there's been a bit more hype, a, a bit more buzz around the driver market at this point. And I think the reason is that it's maybe not the case is the top three teams lineups are, are settled for next year. Yes. You know, all, all those teams have their, have their two guys locked down for at least another season. McLaren, who we can come on to in a bit, because I know there was a lot of talk about Daniel Ricciardo. That's not actually, in my opinion, that's not really as uncertain as people have made out. It's a pretty ironclad Ooh. contract he's got there. So really, and, and, and what you often see with the driver market, there's always what I like to call like a kingmaker in terms of the person who is like the main domino that needs to fall. You know, and right. if, if this person goes, it creates a lot of movement. So this year you look at it and I mean, Ricardo could be there, but I can explain later why I don't think he will actually ever like he, that he would be um, out of McLaren this year. I think the guy that it, it kind of, it all hinges around this year is going to be Vettel and what he decides to do, whether he right. decides to stay. Ask about that. Cause, that's a, yeah. Cause that's a, that's, that's kind of a premier seat right there that in Aston Martin slowly improving, but maybe not as much as people thought. But at the same time, you know, that Lawrence Stroll has huge ambitions for that team and is willing to spend money. They've built a huge new factory there. He's kind of been on the fence about whether he wants to stay. And he suggested that the next couple of weeks are going to be the key kind of deciding that, you know, the, the race is leading up to the summer break. So I think if he goes, you've suddenly got this huge opportunity. And what, what happens is when, if somebody moves team or if, if, if there is that movement, you suddenly, it kind of shifts around the teams in that kind of, in that stratosphere. And um, you could see some really interesting movement if, if, if that was the case. Um, but yeah, it, it hasn't been as, as crazy. You know, in previous years, we were always talking, is Bottas going to stay or is Russell going to move up? We obviously know now that Russell's, Russell's tied down for a few years. Right. Bottas is at Alfa Romeo. So that was always a big one. Red Bull were pretty smart with the timing of the Perez deal. They kind of got ahead of that and said, two years, boom, no more, no more speculation. Because we would have been sat here now talking about Gasly versus P- Perez, wouldn't we? Um, which we're not doing now. So it's not, as, it's not as busy. But what you tend to find now is as we get into the European seasons, it's, it starts to pick up. I don't know what it is about right. this, this, this run. It just seems that you know, they get closer to the summer break and people start to think, well, let's, let's maybe have something in motion by the summer break kind of time. So I think mm-hmm. conversations start to ramp up now. So I think over the next kind of two, like there's two more double headers coming up before the, the, the break. I think we're going to hear a lot more rumor and conjecture. We did hear some stuff about Piastri and Williams, yes. um, which, which I think, I think Piastri and so his, his manager is Mark Webber. I think he's been, he's been briefing pre- people pretty well because um, his <laughs> name has been everywhere. His name has been everywhere. And when I was talking to teams, they were like, yeah, we're not quite sure where the Piastri things come from. Um, so it seems quite obvious that it's come from, from there, but Piastri, Piastri is also a really key player in this driver market. You know, he's the name that everyone's talking about. Like he needs to be driving yeah. next year. Where will it be? So yes, it's kind of simmering at the moment. It's not really, it's not boiled yet, but it's there. It's, get, it's getting there. Trust me in American sports all the time. We have names that we have links that come from nowhere and they're always coming from the agent yeah. or the manager. So yeah. So trust me, we're, we're no strangers to that. Um, so let's go through it. Is there anything we need to be watching? So we know what the six drivers in the top three teams will look like next year, barring some crazy retirement, barring Lewis saying, I don't want to, you know, so everybody's signed through at least next year. Uh, and bar again, barring something crazy that that's locked in. Is there anything that you're watching in the next couple of years at those big teams? Or do you think that there's that, that Lewis and, and Leclerc and Max, that's just their teams and the second drivers seem mostly set. Uh, what do you think kind of the, the near and long-term future is of, of those, of those six seats, Nate? Yeah. So I think, I think Lewis is the immediate one that you, you raise your eyebrows out and think, is he going to stay for, for that much longer? And I think again, like with Vettel, that det- depends on how good the car is. And I think it, as well, if he's, if he's, if he's 
you know, being beaten by George Russell every week next next season, I'm not sure whether he'll continue. That would be the most coveted seat in racing. I think it has been for 10 years to kind of step into that team. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a really fascinating one. I, 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 was saying to, <clears throat> I was saying to a colleague recently, it's the first time I can remember that all the, all the top teams, and I include McLaren in this, have had, they've had at least one driver who is like the, you know, the face of the, of the, the yes. team going forward. You've got Verstappen, Leclerc, you've got Russell, and you've got Norris. And, they've obviously, and at the moment, they've all got teammates that are at least there for, um, well, at least on paper, they have a deal until at least next season. Um, and yeah, I think that the, the main issue that guys that aren't in those teams have at the moment is forcing their way in. Ricardo's problem since he left Red Bull, his thing was always he wanted to go to the Mercedes. And that opportunity has not been there for him. So I think yeah. when Lewis goes, that opens up an opportunity. You can't see Max leaving Red Bull anytime, no. unless Red Bull suddenly drop off a cliff. Leclerc's pretty um, set with Ferrari. I have to say, I think we may we maybe spoke about this at the start of the season, but I was surprised that Norris committed so much longer with McLaren yeah. at the start of the year because it seems to have tied him down a little bit in a way that maybe he didn't need to tie himself down. I think if he'd waited, especially having seen the, the position McLaren's in, he might have he might have been better suited to actually saying, well, look, maybe he can leverage himself or get a better deal elsewhere or even just just get a better deal at the end of the year when McLaren are desperate for him to stay. Um, but yeah, at the moment, that that is a really interesting point about this driver market is there isn't really an obvious point where you say, I'm waiting for this season here. And Bottas used to be that used to be that character. He used to be the, the person here that people thought, right, if I can get there, bef- while Bottas isn't doing well and before they fully trust Russell, that's my moment to get into to Mercedes. And obviously that moment's passed now. So yeah, those those teams at the front, look, they look pretty set. And there are people in the paddock who tell you they don't think Lewis is going anywhere anytime soon. I think he wants that eighth title and he might yeah. not get it in the next two seasons. Um, but yeah, I think while he, you know, Alonso is showing you can just keep racing. You know, I, th- I don't think age is <laughs> quite the same in racing yeah. as it is as it is maybe in other sports. It still has a obviously has an impact on you, but I think you can keep going maybe a bit easier than you might be able to, you know, in in, in some other sports. So really difficult to see. And um, this could be a pattern over the next few seasons where those guys in those teams I mentioned stay, but their teammate yeah. maybe bobbles around and keeps changing. Um, but then you, you wonder, like, do you want to go to a team where it's built around a Russell or a Leclerc or a Verstappen? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to go there and actually have, you know, an equal, equal say in things? People might say you, you won't. Certainly at Red Bull right now, you would say that's not the case. I'll say this. Alonso is proving not only his age, not a factor, but you can leave the sport for a while, yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. You can and just, uh, and just, and just, just jump change back in teams. Whenever you want. Yeah. Yeah. You can have some, <laughs> a couple scandals, whatever, whatever. You can just, you can just keep going. Just keep, if you're a good enough driver, you can just keep going. Um, that was amazing. Did yeah. you like, uh, was that how, you know, sometimes I guess in, in the media, um, center or the paddock, whatever, you know, drivers view differently than they are on the outside. When Fernando gets that, that, P2 to start on Sunday on the Saturday qualifying on the wet lap. Was that, were people excited about that? Were people happy about that? Was it a joyous little throwback there, Nate? It was. And, and in yeah. the media sense, you don't often get, you don't often get kind of whoops of delight or anything like that. You know, people try and, because <laughs> mainly, mainly because when, when stuff happens, we're straight into our laptops and we, you know, we're still yeah, working. Yeah, yeah. But when Alonso got it, I mean, I was, once Verstappen set that lap, it was kind of, okay, he's not, no one's going to beat that. That was pretty right. mighty. But you could see Alonso, you know, we have the timing screens there and you could see him doing well. And and you could hear people were like, yeah, that's that's mega, you know. And it was the first time since 2012 he'd been on this. It was actually the first time Alonso had qualified on the front row since I've been an F1 journalist, before I've been an F1 journalist. So yeah. from my point of view, I was like, well, that's pretty that's pretty crazy that that's the case. That he's And in that that's time, crazy. he's left F1. Like you said, he's he's gone, attempted to win other things. 
so people did love it. Yeah. I think that, um, there is Alonso is one of those guys that, you know, whether you like, like him or dislike him as a person, as a, as a, as an athlete, as a competitor, he's so compelling, partly because yeah. of the mistakes he's made in his career along the way. And just the way that his career has kind of not gone perfectly. Um, I did love, I did love him on Saturday saying, I'm going to attack straight off the bat. And then, you know, he just, he just didn't, I, he just didn't get the start away. But <laughs> didn't all, get and, off. Yeah. But, all, but, but, but all that, that 24 hours, I was like, I imagine if Alonso is leading his turn one, blah, blah, blah. And then like within a flash, it was kind of, Oh, it's, it's not happened. Um, yeah. But I respect him yeah. for saying it. I respect him for saying it. Of course. Um, let's, there's sort of a related question to the question I asked about the top three teams, which is, what does the future look like at the top there? Is there anybody, you know, this time last year, there was some buzz from some of the tech guys that maybe Ferrari had figured something out and they were going to be on the pace next year. That turned out to be true. And sometimes some of this is just junk or sometimes there's just a couple of, of, of tunnel things that people extrapolate too much or whatever. Um, but do you think that there's a car right now that has any chance in 2023 of... Listen, there, no one's going to get into the Constructors' Championship hunt or anything other than the top three, I think. Um, but is there anybody who's going to be maybe more in the mix than we think? Or because was this just a unique year where a team like Ferrari could get in because the regulation changes? Anybody's trending in the right direction? Like, what does that look like next year, Nate? Yeah, it's a really interesting point because this year, with it was it was a start from scratch. It was you know complete blank slate and um, blank piece of paper. I'm really interested to see what Haas do because they're, they're being very coy about their upgrade package this year and they have the most kind of time to develop the car as, as yeah. the rules state this year based on their finish last year. And you get the impression with them that they're kind of pushing, they're kind of backloading a lot of what they're doing onto... I'm not saying that they've given up their project for this season at all, but they're kind of moving Gun- on to... Gunther in the year. lab. So, Gunther's in the yeah. lab in Canapolis coming up with something. Yeah, can you imagine him with the long gloves on? He's got you've got some beakers and he's, <laughs> he's roaming around North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I haven't heard anything specific like that. Yeah. You, you don't often hear somebody say this team next year is gonna you know is gonna come out of nowhere. There's been some stories in the past of you know even because even Braun GP like they didn't really realize what they had until they went testing with that thing. You know they didn't really appreciate uh, yeah. how good it was. But a lot of people are talking about how um, you know how Haas have kind of stayed there in that midfield. They've been pretty good and. I think that if, if this if this upgrade that they have that they're targeting it for the Hungarian Grand Prix, if that can kind of push them ahead in the midfield, that's a really at the point at this point what they're doing is they're effectively they're building cars that are the basis of their of this of this car for the next three four years. Um, so I'd kind of I'd kind of predict Haas, but this is the funny thing at the moment: the silly season hasn't ramped up on that side either yet. We're not hearing kind of crazy things where. Someone saying, "Hey, apparently, you know, apparently Alpha Tauri have found three seconds in the wind tunnel." Like I remember. <laughs> In my first few years in F1, you would you would hear people saying, "Oh yeah, but this team apparently they found that their car next year is gonna just gonna yeah. you know wipe the floor with them." And then next season, it's like, "Oh, they're seventeenth. <laughs> who like who told me that? I need to go back and find them and ask them why." So um, no, there's nothing like that. And I think you're right about the top three. Like that seems pretty set. Obviously, hopefully McLaren can get in there. Um, but we see this in F1 with these new like when the Reds come in, they Mercedes were kind of locked up there at the top for a little bit, and then it's hard for the pecking order to change hugely. So I'm ho- hopefully that's wrong from previous seasons, but that just seems to be the way when you, when you put a bunch of smart engineers together, they tend to stay kind of in their lanes of where they, where they started out. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was, that was a classic journalist slash p- politician answer saying, I don't know, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, none of us do. I would, 
I would be the guy, if I was in the paddock and worked for a team, I'd be the guy who just would make up that my team found three seconds in the wind tunnel. Yeah. You'd be, yeah, you'd just, be a joy and a nightmare to a journalist like me because I'd be like, the first time you told me, I'd think that's great. Second time, I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to report this this yeah. time. But, and then third time, I'm like, this guy's, this guy's a crap. But what if I was this right? What if I found three seconds in the wind tunnel like the oh, fifth time? Well, then I'd, I'd look like yeah. a genius as well. So yeah. mutually, I'd go and buy you a few beers, I think, the next, the next season. And that, that, that's all I want. Um, yeah. It's interesting. So if there's any engineers I, listening who want to leak me that their car next year is three seconds quicker, please do. I will happily I, run the story and I'll buy you a beer next year. I had a friend who worked, uh, still works in the movie industry who says that every couple of years um, as a marketing tactic for certain movies, they just start a whisper campaign that it's like the best movie anybody's ever seen. Because that's the only thing yeah. you're going to repeat, right? So like yeah, if you yeah. see a movie... That like, okay, so if you see a movie and like, if, if you saw Top Gun early and you're like, this is a really great action movie, like you're not going to repeat that to everybody. But if someone is like, this is the best movie I've ever seen, then you're going <laughs> yeah, like, to tell right? to see it. Hey, I, I, I talked to this guy who said he was the best movie he's ever seen. So that's what you do. You don't yeah. go like we picked up, you know, a, a quarter of a second in the tunnel. It's no, you picked up. You, yeah, I, exactly. like, we're, we've made, we've remade the, the Senna McLaren. That's what we've done. Yeah. We've, we've, we've revolutionized formula one. It will never be the same again. Yeah. Until you've seen this car next year. Like we, that would be like, my we, whisper campaign in the paddock. Yeah. If I was down there. <laughs> I like that. I might, I think people should start doing that a bit more. Um, just basically just flashed out just the biggest hyperbole ever. Do you, does the mood in the paddock change at silly season? Is there more whisper? I mean, like the Netflix cameras obviously saw last year, the kind of uh, the clandestine meeting between Russell and Toto where they're in between. I mean, somehow the Netflix cameras picked this up and nobody else did. Um, but is there, <laughs> yeah. is there more whispering more, you know, Hey, let's actually not talk about this in the, in the, in the hospitality coffee area. Like what, what is, does the mood tangibly change at all? Um, when this sort of thing becomes the, the topic of conversation between not only the drivers, but the engineers and, and the media. Yeah, it does. And, um, the, the thing about the coffee and the hospitality is a really good point. Cause I think at, at certain points teams say, right, if, if you're talking to us, Let's just not do it at the paddock because there's all, the, all these <laughs> annoying journalists who are gonna, who are going to talk to us. What you do get, what you see is that um, because there's so you know there's so many media obligations. You saw it in Miami, didn't you? With you know the amount of thing they go through the TV, the TV, and they talk to us, and then they yeah yeah, you know, they yeah. Might talk to talk to Formula One as well. If a driver is linked either with another team or a driver is being linked with his seat, he suddenly starts getting that question over and over and over again, and. Yeah. It gets to a point where, so, I mean, Latifi's already started having that with Williams and Ricardo had it a little bit over the, you know, especially after what Zach Brown said in Monaco and he dealt with it pretty well. Um, but you can actually start to see that some drivers, it, it starts kind of becoming something they get annoyed by or frustrated by. Um, and it must be a really difficult thing to shut out. You know, you're, everyone's in this little kind of this tiny little paddock and you walk down it and you must think, well, half the people here think I'm not going to be in this yeah. seat next year. Um, so you do you do find that some drivers are a bit more tense, they're a bit more reluctant to talk. Um, they get a bit more defensive about questions. Um, but also, one of the things that is interesting about silly season, and I think is probably a symptom of, of of F1 being like that, is that sometimes people are just talking. And you know, Gasly might be chatting to somebody <laughs> yeah. somebody at Ferrari, and people are like, oh, is 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 Pierre going there? And it might just be that well, actually, that guy they live to get they live they live on the same street, and they went for a run together yesterday. You know, and that happens all the time. And, and I think it, 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 gets, it gets overlooked that sometimes. This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. 
From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I told the story on the NFL show. My first owners' meetings was 2012, I think, and or it was 20, this, one, this one was actually a year into it. So it was this, it was the second one. It was in the Biltmore in Arizona, and Bill Belichick and Steve Bashotti, the owner of the Ravens, were having a, a glass of wine on the patio there in Arizona. And I remember, um, I remember looking at it and being like, and a couple of us, a couple of young reporters, were like, oh, I wonder what they're talking about. Like, what they're gonna make a trade? Is Belichick? And it's like, and somebody was like, you know what they're doing? They're just having a drink a glass of wine yeah. because they work in the same industry and they they probably know each other a little bit and Belichick's from Maryland and like that's that's that. Like it's not I promise you there's yeah. no grand conspiracy about this glass of wine. Yeah and and that's it. And and some of these guys have been in it for for over a decade. You know, some some of them decades. I mean look at Bonotto, he was at Ferrari in the early two thousands. So he, there will there will be people in the paddock who have genuinely known each other for 20, 30 years. And so when they see each other the first thought isn't we're going to talk purely F1, purely, you know, is this guy joining our team? Um, a great one, a great one that I once remember, I can't remember exactly who the other person was, but um, Toto was in deep conversation with somebody outside of a paddock once. And yeah. this picture went on, on Twitter and everyone was talking about it. I, th- I'm, I think he was linked to maybe the manager of a younger driver. And the, the, the question was, uh, oh, you, you know, are you signing him? And he was like, no, 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 we're just, we're just catching up because, um, you know, I'm, I'm like, I think Toto is either godparent or is something <laughs> yeah. like that to this person's son. He's just like, I was just asking him how it was. And because we haven't seen each other for a while, we were, you know, we were just, we were just happy to see each other. And it, it, you kind of think, step back and think, oh yeah, okay. That, that actually makes a lot of sense. Like these people are, are human beings as well. So it definitely happens. I mean, I, I saw a really funny post at the, over the weekend that sums this up where like, um, it was Pierre Gasly training and then it panned over and it was, it was Yuki next to him training. And all the comments were like, oh, it's so, it's so sweet. These two guys train together. Like, 
my favorite like bromance in the, and I was like, they're teammates. Like they, yeah. They're, they're That's in the what same they do. hotel. Like That's what they in do. The same hotel. Like they, and they go to dinner together. Like we live in the same little village in Italy. Like, of course they, of course, of course they do that. Like, so it, there is that part of F1 that, and, and Netflix maybe has distorted that a bit, which is fine. Um, but yeah. yeah, you, you have to remind yourself that sometimes that two people being together in the same room doesn't really mean much all the time in Formula One. All right. Let's, you teased a Ricardo take. I did. Yeah. So, sorry. And then we moved away from it. So no, I no, can, I no, no, no. I'm, I'm happy because now we're going to, we're going to hone in on it. Yeah. So McLaren finishes out of the points yesterday yep. completely as a team. Things are not great. There have been, I don't know. There's been some rumblings that maybe Daniel Ricardo doesn't want to sit around and finish 13th a lot. Mm. Um, maybe McLaren doesn't want him to sit around and finish 13th. But a couple things. Number one is that Zach Brown is really good at drawing dollars to his teams. That's why he's there. Um, that's, that's why he's he's gone so far in motorsports. Is I, I heard a great podcast with him a couple of of months ago. I think I actually do think it was Beyond the Grid about just basically how he was a driver and he wasn't very good and nobody wanted to invest in him. But then they kept saying, you know, you're really good at this. You know, actually sealing the deal with sponsors. You should just do that full time. Yeah. That, that's how he got there. And Daniel Ricardo is an international star um significantly more famous than his current current uh driving prowess would suggest um you think that this is more uh, this this 2023 contract and there's been some buzz about how there are performance mechanisms in there where maybe he's not guaranteed for whatever you think it's more ironclad than people suggest what are you hearing what do you think I do think it is more ironclad. And I think so I remember when they signed him and Andreas Seidel saying that it was quite a unique contract in that it was ironclad. You know, he was saying like, usually you have get out clauses in there, but we've shown commitment to Daniel by not putting them in. And it was the suggestion was that on his side as well, it was pretty tight, tightly clad. And that, and that narrative has kind of, McLaren haven't really stuck to that so much recently. And the, and the, and the quote, I think it was mechanisms, wasn't it? was the word that Zach used yep. for, for that. And he was in, he was at the Indy 500 when that, um, when that quote came out and he was being asked specifically about Colton Herter and, you know, the IndyCar team and, and, you know, can guys move across into, into formula one. So I think that, I think the quote, it was amazing how it traveled across the Atlantic and how it kind of was put to Daniel a lot during that weekend. Um, but everything I've heard from both the Ricardo side and the McLaren side is that that's not actually really, it's not like McLaren could just tear that contract up. You know, they have committed to him for a long time. Um, and the results clauses in there, like I think every, every, contract probably has something like that in there, but I'm not sure if McLaren, if Lando was finishing third every race, I think would, would be having a different conversation, but he's finishing eighth and ninth and Ricardo's either finishing just out of the points or just with him. So I don't think yep. his performances meet any threshold for like a, you know, a clause that you might have in there. Like he's right. massively underperforming in the car. Um, and this is the thing, Ricardo, I think he's a bit surprised that people think he doesn't want to keep, keep racing because he's, you know, he, he's, he's always loved Formula One. He's always said he wants to do these other things eventually, like NASCAR, yeah. and, you know, have NASCAR, a race there yeah. and then maybe do Bathurst out in, out in Australia. But for now, I think he's fully committed. And I think he knows as well that this is, this is where he has to stay. And you know, if he wants to win a championship, it's got to be here. Like I said earlier, wrestling his way into one of those top three teams isn't going to happen. You know, he wanted, he wanted the Mercedes drive for a long time. You know, the Renault, the Renault move was so that he was kind of ready for Mercedes when Bottas was, was going to go. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting how it's picked up. And I think he, it hasn't been helped by the fact that he's not performing like we think he should. Um, mm -hmm. And I think he, he spent all of last year getting used to that car and then it's a new car. And it's for some reason with Ricardo, we do see this sometimes. He takes a bit of time to get acclimatized to it. Same at Renault in his first season, you know, he was kind of off the pace for a bit and then he suddenly just, he found something 
and he kicked on. So McLaren probably going to hope that that's the case. But um, yeah, I think the Brown quote, I mean, it sounds like they've, they've talked about it. They've been very honest about it and, and just, you know, they've kind of moved on from the, whatever confusion that was. But yeah, I, I think the Ricardo thing has been quite surprising. And I think it was fueled by other people that maybe had a vested interest in that. In, in and F1 also there, there was some well. hype in Colton Herta, which I, I listen, yeah. I would love, I would love an American driver in F1. I'd love a more American team in F1, yes. frankly. Yes. Um, then, I mean, listen, every F1 journalist we've had on here kind of makes the joke. Haas is a British team with, with a, yes. with a, an American yeah. registration and an American address, but that doesn't make them everything they do, uh, is more, they, they, they build and all the engineers that it's more or less a British team, but Herta is currently 11th in IndyCar. He's 22 mm. years old. I don't think this is not, this is not some American phenom. This is not the guy who's going to come right. in and just 100%. go write it. And so, so I do think there needs to be some pause there, but there was hype earlier in the year. Um, he's won some races there. And so I think that there was some momentum there when Daniel was looking real bad and someone like Colton yeah. Herta was looking pretty good that maybe there were two ships passing the night, which I actually don't, I, I, I don't think Colton Herta, I, I, I think Daniel Ricardo would win IndyCar pretty comfortably. Well, and yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And if the thing he, was, but let me just qualify that. If he was obviously a in a good car. car no, no, <laughs> yeah. no. I want to qualify that. If he was in a car. I mean, like Marcus Erickson is obviously leading IndyCar right now. I'm just saying like once he got used to it and all that stuff, I think Daniel Ricciardo would be extremely right, right. competitive in IndyCar. I'm not, there are a ton of different uh, variables there. I'm not saying he would win it in, you know, in the, the IndyCar version of a Williams. I'm just saying Daniel Ricardo is still a very good driver relative to the driving population of the racing world. I feel like I'm just sat watching you just hitting a hornet's nest with a bat and I'm just, I'm just backing away further away. I have a huge respect for IndyCar. I'm just, mm. that, that's why I'm being so careful here. I don't need a I've bad afternoon. I've noticed, and and I think, and I, I really like IndyCar as well. And that you see the drivers react a lot to stuff. I think Norris, I, I forget where it was. Maybe it was during Spain or Monaco. He made a comment like, "Well, we're cooler than IndyCar and NASCAR, aren't we?" And I saw a few of the drivers yeah. commented like, "Come on, dude, you don't need to say that." It's, like, it's clearly, it's clearly kidding. And and secondly, if if you didn't think it was true, you wouldn't react to it. So I don't know. Um, but uh, but no, I but on the point of Ricardo and IndyCar, yeah, I think you're probably right. And to flip that around the other way. Colton Herter, this this idea that he could just jump into an F1 car and right. be competitive is quite fanciful because it takes a lot of preparation. You know, most of the guys that come into F1 have been in F2, which is specifically yes. designed so that the tires are similar, the cars are you know, very similar, the, the tracks are the same. Um, Lance Stroll, when he came in, you know, I know I know not everybody thinks Lance Stroll should be in F1, but when he came into Formula One, he had an extensive testing program his dad paid for. Yeah, you know, he was called at the time the most prepared rookie of all time. He had to do that because he, because he hadn't, well, yeah, which maybe hasn't aged the best as a quote. I don't know. Um, but it shows you that, that to do, to, to get somebody in, you have to really commit to that. And if McLaren wanted Colton Herger, they'd have to commit to similar. They'd have to be like, right, we have to test this guy for a lot, you know, outside of the parameters of what you're allowed to do with young drivers. Um, and like you say, it's not like Colton Hurt is the greatest driver anyone's ever seen in IndyCar. I think he's a, he's a good driver. He's talented, but I don't think he stands out as being any more special. So that, that to me is, is, is another reason why the Ricardo thing doesn't really have much merit to it. There's no one obviously there who they could get in now. If, if, if Gasly was completely free of his contract. Yeah. The Gasly, I, be, I was going to say the Gasly, the yeah. Gasly X factor, the fact that I, I actually, I was surprised at how, I don't know, smug Red Bull was about the Gasly thing where they're just like, well, he doesn't yeah. have a choice. Like just try to, 
prettied up yeah, a little bit, man. Like it's like it's like hashtag free Gasly needs to be a thing, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like let the guy go, you know, just let him. He's got an option, I, and we're exercising it, and you have no other it, choice. Yeah, like it wasn't right. even like and a we're so happy to have him back thing. It was like, where are you going to go, bro? We have an option. We just extended it. It's such a strange situation because for whatever reason, they don't want him back at the Red Bull team. And uh-huh. and, and to be fair, Perez is doing a pretty great job there. Yes. You know, I think he's built into that role and and he's kind of carved that. That's now his role there. But yeah, whenever they're asked about Gasly, they're almost annoyed about you asking. They're like, no, like he had his chance there. And it's, it's like, well, why, why are you keeping him? And for them, the obvious answer is it's like, well, we have a very competitive driver in our sister team. So it makes a lot of sense. We want them to score well. And yeah, you know, we want them finishing high in the Constructors' Championship as well. But yeah, for Gasly, like, like I think he just he definitely deserves to have one of those higher seats. And what's interesting is that Tost said, Franz Tost said, it's 100% certain he'll be driving here next year. Pierre yeah. Gasly has never said that with certainty when we've asked him over the past few weeks. Um, I don't think Pierre Gasly is completely set on that being the case. You know, I think if there was an option for him to get out, out elsewhere, he would do his best to do that. Um, but again, you know, and, and there, there's a really great example of what doing that can do for your career. Carlos Sainz basically managed to wrestle his way free of that. He was like, if you're not going to promote me again, you know, let me move on. So um, it's a shame. But yeah, if Gasly was there, I think McLaren would, would probably move over to him. I agree. Um, all right, let's go through this a little bit. Uh, Mick Schumacher. We talked about this on the weekend pod. The one thing I don't think, yeah, I mean, you get it because you're there, is the, and, I, and Gunther Steiner talked about it over the weekend, is the German media pressure on Mick and, and, mm. and how much they talk about him, how much they dissect his performance. And again, it's almost, it's a cousin of kind of what happens with Ferrari where they're under the microscope a lot more than in Italy mm. than we read. And so it's just a different, they're under different things. You know, I mean, I, I remember um, even being in the paddock and seeing the Ferrari guys come out and it was like, you know, three Italian TV stations all all kind of lining up their different interviews with Bonotto and all that stuff. And you just don't, we don't see it because it's, um, I consume the English language stuff. Um, Mick Schumacher's future in Formula One looks like what, Nate? Very uncertain, I would say. Um, I think after Monaco, I got a sense from Haas that there was some serious discussions being had behind the scenes about what they do with him. I think cooler heads prevailed, but they're genuinely very frustrated at that situation of you know the expensive repair bills and stuff like that. And um, the way somebody put it to me within Haas is that is that Mick has cost the team now more money than he's probably bought in as a mm. Schumacher. Which, uh, as soon as that's the case. I think you're in a bit of a bit of trouble there. And I felt some of the should, weekend should have been a really... stroll. Should have been a stroll. Nick. <laughs> yeah, or a ma- yeah, never, never, never in that, never in that problem. Yeah, Mazepin. Never, never in that situation. Imagine, God, can you imagine? You're never a, a loss a, leader. A Mazepin, a Mazepin stroll uh, combination. Yeah. That would, have, that, oh, would God. that would be that would be horrific. The most um, the, two, the most prepared rookies of all time back in the back of the grid. <laughs> yeah, straight. Stroll got points. Stroll got points over the weekend. Which is code for. They have a lot of money to prepare yeah. themselves. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's been nothing about Mick that has really, I think, kind of have really excited people at Haas. I think that they're waiting for him to kick on. And I think what happened with with recently, he had the clash in, in Monaco and there was a sense that maybe he underdrove in Baku because he was worried about about crashing. And that's a, that's a spiral <laughs> yeah. you can get into is you're suddenly like, well, I don't want to crash the thing, so I'm going to drive. I'm not going to well, drive. You know, I'm not it is a pretty and good suddenly, goal to have. Yeah, right. Exactly. Don't crash it. But if you're not crashing it, you still need to be driving it fairly fast. And um, so I think it was such a shame because I think if it had the good result at the weekend, it would have just relieved some of that pressure. But what you said about the German press is so true. So when when his car pulled up at the side of the road, if you retire early from a race, you go straight down to the the TV panel and you do that earlier. 
And as soon as he was out, you see all, all the German guys in the in the media center stand up and just leave. They're not and they're not going home. They're going down to the media center to talk to Mick. So they follow him kind of religiously. They're like, this guy could be the future of racing in in Germany. And obviously, the name is the name. Um, and yeah, I think I mean he's dealt with that pressure a long time. And for me, I don't think it's a case of the pressure being too much. This is I don't know, you know where you stand on Mick, but I just don't think the talent is maybe there like people hope it is. Um, and I think we've had enough chance, you know, he's had enough time to show that, you know, hope I'm wrong. Cause Schumacher growing up was like my favorite driver, but it's, it's difficult to make a case for Mick at the moment. I think. I agree. Um, I listen, they'll give him the rest of the year to, to prove something. And yeah. I yeah. don't, I don't know. I, I don't I, think it's, it's, it's I hard don't to predict a snapshot decision. Yeah. The Schumacher name makes it hard to predict, frankly, you know, and I think, I think, yeah, definitely. And and look, Gunther Stein is not a sentimental guy. So I don't think he's like, oh, we've got to keep Schumacher. But I think that Gene Haas is a bit more enamored mm. by the name and 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 does want the name and does want Mick to be successful. And I think everyone at the team wants him to be successful. But I think that Gene Haas quite likes the idea of Haas kind of kickstarting this this career of Mick Schumacher um, hmm. in that way. Um, which is fair enough. You know, it's, it's, it, it would be a great story for the team to have. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that the idea of them getting rid of him mid-season is pretty extreme. I think it would take something pretty pretty drastic for that to happen. Um, but with Haas, they are quite lucky and they have Giovinazzi there ready to step in and is, is a guy that might not be the most exciting driver in the world, but he's got that pedigree of being a midfield driver, scoring points. You know, he, he he's well-liked by Alfa Romeo and he's well-liked at Ferrari when he's been there. So I think he would be a, he would be a candidate if they did get rid of... Um, Schumacher. And of course, again, then the Piastri factor comes back. Do, do Haas kind of yes. say, well, we can loan him for a season or half a season or whatever. Um, and again, that's where Piastri kind of comes back into it. Well, can, he's kind can I of, ask a question about Piastri? So he's obviously yeah. an incredibly accomplished driver in the lower levels. He's obviously had some tests and all that. Is he viewed? I mean, so like everybody, people who are much smarter than I said, George Russell is so quick. Lando is so quick when they, yeah. before they got to F1, right? And is he viewed on that level? You know, the, listen, you go through the F2, F3 winners the la last decade or so. There are some guys who became really talented F1 drivers, and there's some guys who, who flunked out. Um, I've, it's, I'm not smart enough to watch a couple of races of his and say, man, this guy has it. How was he viewed within, I would say, the prospect genre over the past decade? Yeah, he's viewed really highly. And um, yeah. what you can tell with with the junior categories, you can tell when there's a guy who stands out among the rest. Um, it was super lucky a few years ago when Russell and Norris and Albon were all racing at the same time. Everyone was like, these three guys here, you know, they're, they're, they're on the way up. And then there's been a couple of weaker seasons, Formula 2, and then when Piastri was there, you can, you can talk to people. And I don't, I don't follow Formula 2 or Formula 3 half as closely as a lot of journalists do. A lot of guys cover it, you know, because they're, they're working for publications. They're actually writing reports and talking to drivers, which I don't do so much for my job. Um, but the guys who, who cover it, they say, yeah, this guy's the real deal. And I haven't heard people talking about a driver like they talk about Piastri since, you know, your Russells or your Leclerc. So I think that there is a real push for him to get into... Uh, a top team and it's always telling when a guy like Alonso says that you're a special talent which I think Alonso yeah. said a, a couple of times because um, he doesn't really venture that opinion that often um, so yeah I think I think one of the big shames of this season is that uh, one of the big disappoints, disappointments of the season was that uh, Piastri wasn't there um, so he's coming in with a lot of hype but um, we'll see I mean again it, for him it depends where he lands right if he ends up in a yep. bad car we might never see it so F2 winners uh, starting 2017 Leclerc, George Russell, 
2019 Nick DeVries, 2020 Mick mm-hmm. Schumacher, 2021 Piastri. So, yeah. And I mean, Nick DeVries has gone and, on his, he's yes. won Formula, he's won Formula E, but he, he, he was a, a great case where just the, the, sometimes things just have to line up for you. You know, you have to win at yeah. the right time and there has to be a seat available for you. And Piastri might end up being one of those guys that is very, 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 very promising, very, very talented, but just doesn't, you know, it doesn't work for him. And this is one of the things why I'd love there to be a, at least one more team in F1 because yes. there'd be more seats available. There'd be more like, well, you know, I'd or love there to be a team where... experimenting mid-season. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I think it'd be, it'd be great if there was like an FIA team and they just said, right, we're just going to run young drivers. Doesn't matter if we're five seconds off the pace. We're going to give them a chance, stick them in a car. If you're the winner of F, if you're the winner of F2 and you don't have a seat by March, you drive for us. I don't know. Not that the FIA would run. Maybe I don't think they'd run the best F1 team, if I'm honest with you. Um, but maybe there needs to be something like that. But Piastri has been unlucky. Um, but my, I know we start, I know you, we've kind of gone in circles, man. So I'm sorry. I kind of took us around. No, this is great. Talking points. But, I just um, want to point out that the most prepared rookie of all time, Lance Stroll, won Formula 3. Yeah, he did. He did. And uh, he was, uh, he then was so well prepared. He just missed Formula 2. Uh, he, he, you don't need, you don't need Formula 2 when you're not prepared. Yeah, what a know, coincidence. Right? It's, it's almost like it's almost like he had a helping hand getting in. I can't think what that would be. Um and, any other seats we need to be wor- <laughs> we need to be talking about. Uh you mentioned the Vettel thing. I think that's is, is that just down to whether or not Vettel wants to continue on, or would Aston say this is not working? No, I think that it's it's down to Vettel. You know, they they spent a lot of money on him and Lawrence Stroll really went after him pretty hard last year. And I think if you look at the other candidates there, as as much as people love Gasly. A four-time world champion versus a guy who's won one race. You know, that's a real that's a real no-brainer. You know, Vettel, it's my Daniel Ricardo like, IndyCar. It's my Daniel Ricardo IndyCar <laughs> argument. Exactly. Exactly. Talent is talent. And also, and also right now as well, I don't think I don't think you can underplay the stuff Vettel's doing away from the track either. You know, he's becoming a real yeah. spokesperson for a lot of a lot of things. And you know, these these teams are brands as well now. So I think Vettel is 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 a perfect driver for a team like that, especially with it's you know, it's clear that Stroll is going to keep his seat. Just because his dad's the the owner there, so I don't think that's he's ever going to be <laughs> again. Another risk. coincidence, I know. Yeah, right. I mean, this guy, things just keep happening for him. What what could it be? Um, so I think I think the Vettel seat is interesting, and uh, ultimately, it doesn't seem like Latifi's going to stay. There were even rumors that this weekend was his last race for Williams. I haven't heard uh. anything that makes me believe that to be the case. But at the same time, things move quite quickly in F one, and and I can tell you the Piastri camp are pushing so hard, and so are Alpine. So remember, Piastri's at Alpine and they basically want to, they're talking to other teams and saying, look, if you take him, we can, you know, we can pay yeah. you X amount of money. Um, and, you know, experience at this point will be valuable. Um, but the other person we haven't talked about, we talked about Vettel. We can talk about the man who probably sees himself as Vettel's nemesis is obviously Alonso. He doesn't have a contract beyond next season. Right. But I, Sorry, beyond this season. But I don't think that Alpine are ready yet to, to replace Alonso with Piastri. And also Alonso is performing so well. This is what I mean about this year being really strange is that there's not really, there's a really rigid structure in place and it's not been like this before for a long time where you're kind of, you're kind of waiting on things to happen before anyone else yes. can move. Um, and Alfa Romeo as well. I mean, that looked like a really obvious place yep, at one point. And yep. um, they've obviously got, they've got um, Bottas tied down for years. And I love, I love what Bottas has done there. I think it's, it's like, I, I tried to think the other day of a way of putting Bottas' name into Renaissance you know, like, like the reconnaissance yeah. with Matthew McConaughey, yeah. but I just couldn't work. We'll I, couldn't, workshop I, I wasn't it. smart enough to do it. Yeah. Maybe we'll we're not even at the halfway point, man. You'll yeah. get there. <laughs> the, the, the botte. The botte I mean, that sounds, the bot- the that bot- sounds the like something sounds. else. That could be what that photo of him was called, you know, with his butt yeah. out. Uh, yeah. No, I was, <laughs> I was actually look. thinking about that. I'm trying not to, not to veer too, too close into the, the ass in the river shot. Yeah. 
but it happens to the best of us, man. We've all, we've all thought about it at some point. <laughs> it happens to us all. It's sometimes just in the middle of the night, like, wait, I, shit, <laughs> that happened. <laughs> um, all right. This was great. Um, last question for you. Over the past few weeks, since I saw you in Miami, what's, what have you learned from the last few races? Like, are there, is there anything that surprised you? I mean, like, we know the narratives. We've already talked about that on five other podcasts since, since Miami. Um, but like, is there anything that's popped up in this season that has been truly shocking or surprising to you in the last month or so? Um, that's a really good question. And I, one I hadn't considered, um, I think one, this is going to sound really strange, we, try, we but, try to give our guests as little preparation as possible on, on yeah, big yeah, picture yeah. questions. Well, no, which, Just spring things which is on good. And yeah. it means I have to think on my Works feet, great. which, is always, a, Works which great. is always a recipe for disaster. Anytime I can put um, my guests in a terrible position, you got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, it's good. Um, I think one one thing that I don't know, maybe people will think I'm just going for the easy option by talking about Lewis, but talk, seeing how Lewis has, has has come through the the last few weeks of struggling, prepared, like being in that yeah. difficult situation, being in Baku, actually seeing him getting injured, you know, get, getting hurt, you suddenly realize like, oh my god, like a seven time world champion can just be absolutely at the mercy of an F1 car, and yeah. it wasn't just him; it was Magnussen, it was Ricardo. Not that, not that we had to learn that Formula One cars are, are dangerous things, but the fact that they can do that much damage to somebody just from you know from just repeatedly being bounced around was pretty surprising. But um, uh, so I started that as a Lewis point, didn't I? And then I moved on to his car. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm not thinking on my feet very well here, dude. I'm sorry. This wow, is a terrible pod experience. Too much poaching. <laughs> You've absolutely stumped me. Yeah. Um, but I think I think what what I would say is um, I think that with the Lewis, the Lewis side of things that I've been pretty impressed with is he's managed to um, stay pretty positive. I know that the radio messages yeah. don't always say that that's the case, but I was really, I was really worried about what because I think Lewis needs to stay in F one. I think for the sport, that's a really good thing, and just the way he's been able to adapt around that car, and I, th- I think he's going to kick on now. I think Silverstone will be a strong result for him. Um, yeah, I think it just it it was a reminder that he's not kind of the the big diva that a lot of people think he is. Um, he's good at workshopping things and, and getting into a, into a better place. Um, I know what's going to happen as well. We're going to finish this pod and I'm going to think of like five things that have really stood out to me. Just tweet them um, out with no context. I'll just tweet them. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. just, just Couple lower, everything, things lower, everything, lower case, me. Yeah. everything lower case as well. Just to, just yep. like something like Alpha Tower. Stre- stre- stream of consciousness. Well, yeah. we're, so, you're, sorry, you're going to have to come a, back. What you're yeah. going to have to do is come back in a couple of weeks and give us like three week old thoughts. And it'll be, and don't even tee me up. Just have yeah, me yeah, in the middle yeah, of the yeah. episode. Yeah, it'll just be yep. who is who is this English yep. guy yep. saying random things? Maybe we even have like um, a third person on, so they're just just as confused. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Just play leave. it in the middle. Play it in the middle of their interview as well. Um, but hopefully, hopefully, up until this point, it's been informative for people listening. Um, You're the best and, and enlightening. <laughs> You're the best. Uh, enjoy enjoy your last few hours in Montreal. We'll do, man. Thanks very much. Always, right. always a pleasure chatting, man. Nate Saunders, ESPN. Check him out. See you later, buddy. See you, dude.